I on? All right. How you guys doing tonight? Good. All right. Thanks, Johnny. That was great, especially that last song. Um, I know many of you guys don't know me. Uh, my name's Josh Cunahan. Um, thank you. I don't know who that was. Um, maybe I still don't know you. Um, so I, uh, I graduated from UF. So sorry. I knew that would happen. Um, so sorry if that offends you. Uh, so I graduated there a few years ago. Uh, then I was on, I did an internship with Campus Crusade for Christ at UF. So uh, Jimmy Trent, who many of you guys know, he was my boss. So if you ever want to work for someone really fun, you ask Jessica or myself, because he's a, he's a ride to work with. Um, and now I go here. I'm here in med school. Uh, I've been here for about two years. Um, so I slave away in the building that way or whichever way it is and probably don't ever leave that building. So this is actually the first time I've ever been in this auditorium, even though I've been here for two years. And I probably have only been in the union about three times. So, uh, um, so that's a, just a little bit about me. Uh, tonight, uh, just thanks for inviting me out to speak tonight. I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, the world's desperate need for the gospel. Um, just kind of in light, as you guys uh, know it, and they've said, uh, we're going to talk about summer projects tonight. Um, so at first, when I was asked to just do a short little talk, and it's not going to take me long, just a short little talk on uh, how much the world needs the gospel, I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's a really broad topic for a short period of time, and I don't even know where to begin. Uh, but one of the first things I thought about was one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's from the book of Romans, chapter 10, uh, verses 14 through 15. And many of you have probably heard it before. But it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? So tonight, I want to kind of focus in on that word sent. And I want us to kind of dissect that and to think about what it means to be sent. Uh, the word in the New Testament for, that's used there and, and elsewhere is where we also end up getting uh, the word for ambassador from and apostle. Um, so it's this idea that we're going and we're being sent out for a purpose, for the kingdom of God. Um, so, you know, just as I was kind of thinking about different ways that God has sent me out, this past summer I was in Afghanistan um, just kind of doing some church planning work there, uh, and some really cool stuff. If you ever want to go someplace where you will really see the Lord work, um, check out Afghanistan. I know that sounds scary, but it's a great place. Um, and when I was there, we took language classes. We learned the, the language Dari. I shouldn't say learned. I barely learned any of it. And, um, and we took language classes, but I also wanted to try to kind of learn some words outside of language class, some words that I thought would be important in conversations and everything. So I asked uh, our driver, who kind of drove us around a little, uh, what the phrase was for I don't know, because we hadn't learned it in class yet. And I thought, hey, that's probably an important phrase for me to know. If somebody asks me something in Dari and I don't know it, I can just say, I don't know, and move on with my life. So he told me, and he didn't speak the best English, so he told me that the word for it was matchem. So I was there for eight weeks, uh, so, or a little less than eight weeks. So for eight weeks, everywhere I would go, quite a few times, I would say matchem whenever... Pretty much anybody asked me anything in Dari. Um, and sometimes I got some funny looks, uh, but I just thought it was someone, you know, being amused that this American kid is trying to speak Dari. Uh, so at the very end, it was actually the last day I was in Afghanistan. We were flying out the next day. I was in a taxi cab and, um, with a driver who didn't know any English, and I was trying to tell him how to get back to where I was staying, and we were getting lost, and uh, it was kind of freaky. And uh, so he finally asked me if I he was supposed to turn on the street. And I looked at him and I said, match him. 
And he just thought that was the funniest thing ever and just couldn't stop laughing. And then we finally figured it out. And I thought, okay, this does not mean I don't know. And so I was kind of like, I have no idea what I've been saying for the past two months. So uh, the next day I asked one of the long-termers, which I don't know why this didn't cross my mind before that. Um, I asked one of the long-termers who knows the language well, hey, uh, so I've been saying this word for I don't know, and I don't think that's what it means. And so I told her it was matchem. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't mean I don't know in a nice way. That means I don't know, like, how the heck should I know something like that? And in a very sarcastic, why are you even asking me this kind of question? <laughs> so for eight weeks, I'd been walking around, and people were asking me questions in Dari, and I, I was basically insulting and um, pretty much the most culturally insensitive person that you can be. So my point is, don't do what I do if you're going to go overseas this summer. Um, so, yeah, um, so I know that that's just a little bit different. But um, so I do want to focus in on this word sent. Um, and I want to kind of get a big picture. I'm a big picture person. I don't like small details. I'm not good at them. I don't remember them. It's probably not a good quality to have in a person who's going to be a doctor in a few years. But I just prefer the big picture. Um, and one of my favorite illustrations is from uh, this guy, uh, Steve Richardson. Uh, some of you might know him. He uh, is the president of Pioneers USA, which is a ministry that does church planning in uh, unreached pe- people groups. Um, so I love Steve. I've heard him say this illustration a few times, and I know he's put it in a book, too. And um, he may have gotten this from someone else, and I don't even know, but I don't care. I'm going to use it tonight and pretend like it's mine for now. Um, so basically he says, like, let's think about the world. And we look at the globe, and we know that there are about 6.7 billion people in the world, give or take a few million. So I want you guys to think about that right now. Try to picture 6.7 billion people. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do. Can't really wrap our minds around that large of a number. 6.7 billion isn't really in our idea of any kind of number that we can even comprehend. So instead of that, let's take 6.7 billion and the world, and we're going to wrap it down to a village of 1,000 people. Okay? So 1,000, that's an easy number for us to kind of wrap our minds around. Um, You probably... A thousand people are well, not in classes here, but a lot of times high school classes are a thousand people or, or some, somewhere around there. So you can wrap your mind around that. So within the, our village, let's pretend we all live in this village and there's a thousand people, 600 of us are Asians, about 125 are Africans, we have about 85 Latin Americans, about 95 Europeans, and about 50 North Americans. So there's not as many of us as we tend to, tend to think that there are. So, additionally, within this, about a third, which is about 330 people, are children. And only 10 people have a college education. Just 10. For this village of 1,000, there is one doctor that serves the healthcare needs of the entire village. But honestly, the North Americans and the Europeans tend to get first dibs. So, when we look at it economically, we have about 200 people who live in nice, a nice neighborhood, got big houses, you know, all, everything that they could ever want, big yards, white picket fence. Don't have to worry about money all that much. Down the street, in another neighborhood, we have about 200 people who are living on about a dollar a day. So that's about, for them, enough to get them some more rice, maybe just a little bit more food for their family. And then even further down, we have about 400 people who are living severely malnourished. So 400 people out of the 1,000. It's about a little less than half. 
religiously, when we look at it, there's about 330 people who call themselves Christians. Now, most of them probably can't define what that means. There's about 220 Muslims. There's roughly uh, 150 Hindus, 62 Buddhists, about 40 people who practice like tribalist or animalist religions. And then there's about a couple hundred who consider themselves unreligious. Now, here's the kicker. In this village of 1,000 people, every year, 12 Bibles are distributed. But most of those will go to people who already own a Bible. In fact, out of the 1,000 people that are living in our village, about 400 of them have little to no contact with any Christians or churches. I'm going to repeat that again. About 400 people out of a 1,000-person village have little to no contact with Christians. And in fact, if I'm being honest, about 250 of those, realistically, have no chance of ever really hearing the gospel. So 250 out of 1,000. Now I'm going to bring it back up. When we think about 6.7 billion, 250 people is 1.67 billion people who realistically have no chance of hearing the gospel. So I know those numbers are maybe shocking. Maybe you've heard them before. Maybe you don't care. That's okay. But I just, I just want you to think about it for a second. To think about what does that mean? You know, I, I know that um, we have our, our Christian subculture. And we've got this great thing going on. And I know I was heavily involved in Crusade at Florida, and I loved it. I loved being an intern. I loved being on staff. And I know that I could get caught up in that. You know, every night of the week, who do I hang out with? All of my Crusade friends, all of my Christian friends. Most of my phone book is mostly Christians. I tend to sign up for classes with mostly Christians all my friends in crusade. I have Bible study, church, prayer groups, socials. And then just in the midst of that, you just get caught up. Before you know it, years go by, and I've basically been on a college campus and had little to no contact with any non-believers. So I know that's a real problem, and I just want you guys, I want the, the question for tonight is just to think about what do I do with this information? How can I be someone who is sent out? You know, when we look back at that verse from Romans 10, 15 at the end when it says that no one can preach unless they are sent. That's so important. I love that verse, that's, that, that, just that passage, how it goes in a process. You know, people aren't going to believe unless they hear. They're not going to hear unless there's someone preaching. They're not going to preach unless they're sent. So who are going to be the ones that are preaching? I really liked what, what Johnny said. I think a lot of times when we think of preaching, we can think of those campus pastors out there um, who preach hellfire and brimstone, or, or we think of even a pastor at a pulpit. But preaching here and being sent is about love. It's about building relationships with those around you, and it's about thinking outside of the box, thinking more about the world around you, thinking, how can I, how can I share the love of Christ with these people? Um, you know, I want to kind of take a look through the, 
to the Bible real quickly. I know I don't have much time left. The, um, the Bible, if you look at it, the scripture, it just it's amazing how you can see God's plan for his people from Genesis to Revelation. I don't have time to go through all the Old Testament, but basically the Old Testament is loads and loads and loads of verses of how God is saying, my plan is not just for Israel. My plan is for all peoples. And that's really powerful. You can come talk to me later and I can give you all those verses. But I want to fast forward a little bit through the Old Testament right up to Jesus. And in the Great Commission, when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I know you guys have probably heard that verse a thousand times, but I want you just to think about the magnitude of that. He's saying that, that his plan is not just for a few people. His plan is for all peoples, all nations, everywhere. That 1.67 billion people that realistically, that we say have no chance of hearing the gospel, you can change that. So then we fast forward, and one of my favorite passages in the Bible, I know I say that a lot, but I love the Bible. Um, it's if you look at Revelation, in fact, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Revelation chapter 7, because I want you to see it. If not, look it up later. Um, but Revelation 7, you know, it, so we, we, we kind of see through the Old Testament that God is you know, saying his plan for all his peoples. And then Jesus is basically commanding us. He's demanding it that we fulfill this, that we are the ones who are being sent to the people. And then at the end in Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9 is where I'm going to start. It says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Guys, I love that because, like I said, there's this progression, and Revelation tells us of what will happen. There's no, there's no question here. This will happen. All peoples, all nations together worshiping God, the Creator, the Savior of the world. So basically tonight, I'm just up here just to implore you and encourage you. Think about your summer. You know, you've only got about three, maybe four, maybe five, depending on what you're doing, how many summers you want. And then after that, it's the real world. And summertime, you don't really get off. So use that time to your advantage. These summer projects that you're going to hear about tonight are an incredible opportunity just to to learn more about your own faith, to grow closer to God, to get close to some great brothers and sisters in Christ, and then to, sh- to share that faith with the people around you. You know, if you, if you stay stateside, like I know that they're going to talk about tonight, you're really going to learn effective ways on, on, how, to, on a sh- how to share your faith. If you go overseas, if God is calling you to do that, you are probably going to, you're going to be immersed in a totally different culture, probably a different language, you're probably going to share the gospel with someone who has never heard the name of Jesus before, or at least has never truly heard the name of Jesus or the gospel. So, now hear me too. I'm not trying to say that you have to, like in order to be a Christian, you have to go on a summer project. But I would say that this is a prime opportunity for you to be able to just learn all that you can and be one who is sent. That's right. 
Dear Heavenly Father, um, God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your word and for just your promise that you are bringing all peoples to know you. And God, I pray that, that we stand up and we, we are willing to be sent out. That we, you just stir it up in our hearts, God. You just transform us. Transform us so that we can't help but be the ones who are sent out. God, I pray for the people in this room that if you are just pressing on their hearts to, to use their summer, to, to go somewhere just to learn more about you, to, to share their faith, Father, that you would, you would make that real. You would guide them and direct them. Pray for the people in their lives, too, that they would be supportive of that and that they would, um, they would give their support prayerfully, financially, whatever, God. I, just, I pray that you just move mightily in this room and that just this summer, I just know that you're going to use the people here just in all places across the states and all over the world for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. All right. Thank you, Josh. That was amazing. Um, just the statistics that he shared are just staggering about how many people don't really know Christ. And so um, what we're going to do right now is just take an opportunity to introduce summer projects to you guys. My name is Dan, if you don't know me, and I could say I'm a summer project-aholic. Um, been on three, and they're great. Um, this is Jessica, and we're going to be basically tonight asking questions to this panel of people who have been to various places around the world. And so um, just to introduce um, the topic tonight, I'd say um, Crusade offers a unique opportunity to go um, around the world, either stateside. Uh, you could be in stateside, or you can be... Um, going overseas, and what really makes the project unique is that you get training in how to reach law students, which is something you do here, something you can do abroad, and so it's great training, and I'd say um, all these people could attest to really growing in your faith through through the project. It's like putting miracle grow on your faith. It's um, really amazing, and it, it, it takes you kind of out of your normal bubble and puts you in a unique Christian environment um, with other Christians, and just growing together, growing close. And you'll hear a lot more about that. Um, I, the one the last thing I really want to say is that I know some of you have probably kind of already ruled out doing a summer project um, for one reason or another. And I just want to challenge you guys to really step out in faith and listen to what these guys have to say. And I say just pray about um, going on summer projects. So um, I guess we'll just start um, asking different questions to the group. And the first group, or the first question, every everyone in the group is going to answer, and it's basically we're going to go down the line, and you'll just introduce yourself and what project you went on, and just briefly describe kind of what makes the project you went on unique. Why is it different from other projects? And kind of you know introduce what the spiritual atmosphere of where you were at was like. So go ahead, Will. Hi, I'm uh, Will Kingsley. I was at Salerno. Um, see Jessica. We were both on it. Tabitha's around here. Sit down there. Basically, anyone that's got a, uh, a blue shirt and a white um, long sleeve shirt went to Salerno tonight. Oh, excluding her, it has to say Salerno on the front, too. But besides that, um, I would say that the, the climate over in Italy uh, is it's, it's similar to here in some ways because um, a lot of people would confess or, or profess that they, they, they know about God and they have a reverence towards him. But in the same way, they really 
don't have much there. Um, if they say they're Christians, you know, sometimes you, I mean, you should never go and, and question someone's, uh, you know, professional going faith. But at the same time, um, I believe that a lot of them will say that they're Christians just because it's more of, of a cultural or ethnic type thing. Um, most of them are Catholics, or they'll say that they're Catholics. And I think a good illustration of really how their faith is over there is um, the land is filled with these beautiful, beautiful cathedrals um, all over the place. And they are very, very um, big structures, you know, but they're basically skeletons. Um, there's no heart inside of it. It's just a beautiful building, and that's it. So much of the faith that was there that was very prevalent, um, it, it seems to be know very not prevalent it's not there at all um so i guess it's kind of the climate there at this point um people that are say they're christians you know they they might just be uh christians by affiliation and a lot of them even less now are tend to be uh we'll tell you straight up that they don't believe in god the other question too next same question um, well, I'm Ramsey, and I went to Durban, South Africa this summer with Dan. And uh, yes, South Africa is a country. A lot of people, when I tell them to go, I went to South Africa, they're like, oh, what country? But South Africa is not just the region of the continent. It actually is a country, for those of you who didn't know. Um, but um, I guess, what was the, what the climate? Um, the spiritual climate there was very open. Um, students, a lot of them are just... And people there are just really, really ready to hear the gospel. Um, I talked to one student who I got to share the gospel with. And after he's like, I've always wanted to have a relationship with Christ. I just never knew how. Um, I was like, well, I can tell you how. Um, but there was, we got a lot of responses like that. Um, and this isn't to brag or anything. It's just um, when we were there, we had 25 students pray to receive Christ. And that had nothing to do with us or what we said. But it was just so clear that God had really been working there, and so many of them were just ready to hear it. It wasn't a long process we had to go through. They were just really ready in their hearts, and it was so clear that God has been working in a really powerful way in Durban before we even got there, and still is after we've left. Um, he's been doing some really cool things um, since we left. So um, it really is, the harvest is really plentiful, but the workers are few. Um, there's really only, like, one staff guy in the whole city right now, um, and they really just need people um, to go, to be sent there. Um, um, no, that's good. Next. Next, same question. Uh, so I think it was, it was spiritual climate and what makes our trip unique. And uh, I'd say I was, I'm Craig. I went to Bosnia, the city of Sarajevo. Uh, most people couldn't find it on a map. It's near Greece. Um, but yeah, if it's an awesome experience because it's probably the only Southern North project you'll be able to go on that you'll have a large uh, Muslim influence. Uh, about 85% of the country of Bosnia confesses Islam as their language, or I'm sorry, not their language, but their religion. So um, I know that most people just don't know a lot about that religion. They don't know uh, it's the second largest religion in the world, but they really just know nothing about it. So. Um, that's really cool, but it's a lot like what Rand, I'm sorry, Will said, and um, that it's it's really just spiritually dead. A lot of people confess as their faith, but um, the country was under uh, communist rule for a long time, so they weren't allowed to have religion. Then 
Um, they're in war, so a lot of people just don't believe that there is a God. Um, you'll deal with people that, I mean, lost loved ones. They, they had a war about 20 years ago, so um, the college-age people all remember when they were about three to five years old and losing their parents, their grandparents, the people that they loved. And um, so it's just a very dark place, and uh, the, the spiritual, um, I guess, feel of the country is just dead. So it's really just amazing, though, because you really do see how God is raising up a generation of people with hope, a generation of people that don't want to just get out. They want to actually stay and rebuild this country. And so um, what, what Campus Crusade is doing is they're really just influencing this young generation that uh, for Christ. And so it's a really cool climate. Um, I'm Rachel. I'm, uh, I went to East Asia, actually, and um, the spiritual climate there is kind of what you would expect. Um, it's a lot of mix. You'll meet students um, from anything from Buddhism to Hinduism to uh, I don't believe anything. A lot of them are practicing, kind of, um, in a religious sense, but not really knowing what they believe or um, anything like that. And they think Christianity is just something of the West. You know, a lot of times when we would introduce it, they would just say, oh, that is that is okay, that is Western, um, but that's, that's not for me. Um, but, and actually something that's unique about East Asia is that <laughs> you, uh, you can't, it's a closed country, you're not allowed to go there and share the gospel. Um, so you have to use code, which is really exciting and really fun. Um, and actually it's not, as, it's not dangerous necessarily, especially for Americans, um, you're very safe. Um, Safety-wise, um, I did not know that really when I went. Um, really quickly, I just want to tell a funny story. I was really scared when I went, and I, I had a quiet time one time out, outside, and I was um, just sitting down and journaling, and I had my Bible open. It was covered in newspaper, but it was just, I was, like, trying to, like, cover it. And then a police van pulled up behind me, and I, like, almost pooped my pants. I was so scared. I'm like, I just like closed it really quickly, put it in my bag, and I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and but nothing happened. It was fine. But it's just really fun, and you use code, and, and it's just um, a very dry place. Christianity is not accepted and, and not okay by their government. So... My name is Anna, and I've been on projects all over the world, but this past summer I was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, so doing the United States thing. I think Jessica's going to talk more about that kind of stuff. Uh, my name is Jessica. I am on staff with Crusade, actually at UF, um, but I went to Florida State for school. Yay! <laughs> it's always good to be... I don't know what you said. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> it's always good to be back with uh, Seminoles, especially the Gators. Yeah. Um, okay, so I am representing Miami, also slash stateside summer projects. Um, and something that is just really unique about uh, Miami is that it is basically like going on an international project, which is really awesome. Um, people who live in Miami are just from all over the world. And if you really want to reach the world for Christ, you will reach them in Miami. So if you still need to work all summer and get a job, you can go on the stateside summer project in Miami and, and reach the world. Um, the spiritual climate there is 
is just really dead. They don't uh, care a lot about Christianity. Um, there are more stores that sell animals as sacrifice than Christian books. So it's just really dead. And, and um, like what uh, we were singing about earlier, um, they really just need love. They need love. They need Christ. And they need people to come and, and just love on them for a little while. Hi, I'm Dustin, and this summer I was on an international project in Fiji, and what makes my project unique is I went with a ministry called Athletes in Action. It's the sport ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, and I went with a Christian track and field team uh, made up of uh, college athletes here from the U.S. and college coaches, uh, but to get involved in the ministry, you don't have to be a college coach or a college athlete. You just have to have a, a love of sports and uh, a love of Christ. And the spiritual climate of Fiji is unique because ancestral gods are sometimes still part of their culture and are still worshipped, um, but also Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Islam, and Hindu are just booming religions there. Um, and it's an island searching for not only a, a cultural identity now, but also a, a religious identity. Okay, my name is Jet. My name is Jessica. I think Dan already said that. Um, we have a couple more questions we're going to ask everybody. Um, Will, we just want to know, what does a typical day on a summer project look like? You said you went to Salerno. So can you share with us what you did from morning to... Uh, yeah, yeah. Typical day. Um, well, you would wake up, obviously. Um, but you... you <laughs> I mean, I think most of us woke up. I, I don't remember days when people didn't wake up. <laughs> I woke up every day of project. But that being said, um, we stayed at a hotel um, on the Mediterranean, which was awesome. So, you know, that's another shameless plug for Solano. So, um, also at the hotel that we stayed at, our, the people that um, ran the hotel, they made breakfast for us every morning. It was croissants filled with Nutella most of the time, which is a type of hazelnut chocolate. It's very nice. Um, we would have that in the morning. Um, you, you could usually, um, you know, get breakfast and then go do something, you know, have, have a, like about an hour or so of quiet time. Um, and then, uh, I don't know the exact times. So I can't remember the schedule in my head. Um, but <laughs> around 9 o'clock, we would usually have some sort of training or a group devotion ran by either people that were um, on project with us or um, people that were on uh, a long-term team that was there. Uh, they would either teach us about something culturally or something that they were learning about. So that was kind of neat. Um, and then around 11, we would go on campus. Uh, and we would be on campus for about um, four hours or so. And that, that was typically what we did every single day um, of, of the, the regular week, Monday through um, Friday. But uh, that, was, you know, that was just a fun time to be on campus and really kind of exciting to meet the students because that's what we were really there for. Um, and there's lots of great things to do in Italy, um, even if you're not on a project. But, um, like, our, our, our daily thing we did was, was go to campus and really get to meet the students and uh, build relationships. So when we came back from that, um, we had a little bit of time to ourselves. You could spend extra time on campus if you wanted to go meet people um, at a certain, certain time. And then uh, we would have, you know, men's groups or times where we would meet um, with, uh, you know, uh, two pairs of men's groups and two pairs of women's groups. We would switch off with the men's and women's and kind of go on a, a group date type function um, some nights of the week. And so we got to go out and food there was great, you know, for dinner. And that's what we did. Um, that, was, that was basically a weekday night. The, the weekends were a little, bit, a little different. But um, 
That was a typical day on project. All right, thanks, Will. Um, next question is for Anna. Just, um, since you've been on so many summer projects, um, stateside and abroad, I was wondering if you just describe what the difference is between being stateside and being um, somewhere overseas. Um, I think the primary difference that sticks out to me, first of all, is just like time length. Normally, the stateside projects are approximately five weeks long. There are exceptions. And then, no, that's international, I'm sorry. I was like, I got that flipped around. International are normally like five weeks long or so, but if you're going to be in the United States, you're probably going to be about eight to ten weeks um, on project, which is really neat because it's like your entire summer. Um, also, size of projects, international ones are smaller, stateside are bigger. Um, but I think another th huge thing is that international projects are very, um, the main focus is like reaching where you're going. And so you're going to be immersed in a culture and you're going to learn how to really share Christ in another culture. And um, that's going to be the primary focus. Whereas in the United States, while you are um, obviously reaching wherever you're sent or wherever you're going, there's a lot of like just personal development. That happens some overseas too, but like you get extra time of like the staff really um, just discipling you and training you how to do the same. And um, so it's extra personal development here in the United States, whereas overseas it's like extra um, missional stuff that you're doing. But you get a little bit of both in each circumstance. So, yeah. All right, and next question's for Ramsey. For students who don't have a lot of experience sharing their faith, is training provided on a summer project? Yes. Um, training is provided. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, um, it can be, I mean, even if you've never, you don't have much experience sharing the gospel, like, don't let that hold you back. Like, oh, I wouldn't know what to do if I went over there. I wouldn't know how to talk to people. But you'll get plenty of training and experience. And, I mean, within a few days there, you're going to know how to share the gospel like that. You're going to get just so much experience and really a lot of training. Um, and you'll get specifically training, too, to reach... Uh, the people groups that you're in and the culture you're in. Um, and I think it's one of the really great things about summer projects is all the training experience that you get. And it's not just something you can use over there. It's something you can take back um, to FSU and really use there. Like, um, you just get so much experience sharing the gospel and sharing your testimony um, and just really just get a lot of good experience. So, no, I mean, yes, you do get training. <laughs> Thanks, Rams. All right, next question is for Dustin. Um, describe the community that develops between um, just the team members on the project. Sure, that's a good question. Um, like I said, my project was unique before where I went with a, a team, an athletic team over there. And I've been on, you know, athletic teams growing up, and it was more than just a team atmosphere. It was, it was really a family, uh, just eating your meals together and, and praying together and you have room with them and shower together sometimes because you're an athletic team. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Segregated, yeah. Um, but it's just, uh, I mean, guys and girls, you know, men and women. Anyways, I was not trying to joke around, but it's, uh, it's incredible. Uh, just the fellowship you have with each other. There is a designated, why are people still laughing? They're designated uh, team times every day, and um, just how much your uh, your people on project with you just pour into each other and just, I mean, just building each other up. Uh, 
it's unlike anything that uh, over here because when you're there, there's just such a small amount of you that you just cling on to each other and you only have that community. You know, there's no one else to go hang out with. It's the people in your project. And, I mean, I came back from projects six months ago and either through email, phone call, Facebook, I, I talk to at least one person uh, every day. Just, I mean, I still want to know what's going on in their life. Um, so it's, it's just a family that I'll have uh, for the rest of my life. So... It changed my life, and I hope it'll change your guys' life. All right, our next question is for Rachel. Since you went to East Asia and it's a closed country, can you give us an example of how you would initiate with a student there? Yeah. Um, well, there is a place called Zhongshui Jiao, and it was a little place, like cafeteria on campus. And so the first actually day that we were on campus there, um, the stenters that were um, already there had experience doing this, and they kind of demonstrated for us. And you basically just say, oh, hi, I'm American. Do you want to be my friend? And they love it. <laughs> it's not like in America and uh, <laughs> at all. And so, I mean, literally, they are so hungry for American culture, and they just will, like, latch onto you and, like, run across campus as fast as they can to talk to you. Literally, like, they'll be sweating because they ran in high heels to do this. This happened. She was crazy. Um, but it's really easy. I mean, it was something that was definitely a challenge for us. I know um, Becca was on it too, so I asked her questions afterwards. But um, it was definitely a challenge to do that because it's just so awkward to say, do you want to be my friend? But that was something that really opened up a lot of things. We, we kept a notebook with us and we would just write down their name and um, their number and their English name and their other name. And, um, <laughs> and then we'd just hang out with them, um, go to dinner together, lunch together, or grab coffee or um, something like that, and, and just get to know them as friends and um, keep a record. You meet with, like, two to five people a day, depending on um, what you want to do, and you just, you're really just their friend. Get to know them and um, ask them what their family life was like, and eventually you get to the chance to share the gospel. So. Oh, yeah, there's code, too. So that was just, I don't know. To them, you can say things, but you can't, you know, say why you're there. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that was, <laughs> All right, the next, the next question is for Anna. <laughs> um, whenever you're not on campus, what do you do, like, in the evenings? Like, what are some like, extracurricular activities? Well, it really depends on the night, but um, in a typical week, like, one evening you might have Bible study or discipleship kind of opportunities. Um, other times you'll do social things or maybe you'll do outreaches or just um, hang out times with the people that you're building relationships from wherever you are. And yeah, so I mean you do a whole spectrum of things from certain things like help you develop spiritually to just really fun crazy stuff. So, Alright, Craig. So it costs a lot of money to fly over to Bosnia and stay there for five weeks. How exactly do you pay for your summer project? How you pay for your summer project. What you do, guys, is you raise support. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of that. And sadly, I'd say the biggest reason people don't go on these projects is because they don't want to raise support. And um, the stateside projects are about half as much as, as going overseas. But, guys, um, it's an awesome opportunity to watch how God works. And I, I've been here now for, for four years, and I'm really tired of hearing people say, Oh, this summer I need to make money, not spend money. And so, guys, you don't need to make money. Like, you're fine. 
go overseas, do a summer project, build a support team, let it change your life. And uh, guys, God shows up in awesome ways when you raise support. Um, when I was raising support, a, uh, I talked to a friend of my mom who gave me $100, and she worked for some charity organization. Or, yeah, I don't even know what kind of organization it was. But she was like, oh, I'll talk to them, see if they want to support. And they gave me $1,000. I it was called the Langford Foundation. I don't know what they do. I sent them a card. I was like, thank you for giving me money to go to Bosnia. But, like, guys, it's just so awesome how God can show up through. And, like, when you choose to cower it out, you rob God of his glory. So um, don't let financial reasons be a reason for you not to do these things. Excellent. Thanks, Craig. All right, the last question is for Jessica, and it is, how do you take what you learn on a summer project and um, apply it back on your campus? Um, okay. I think that's a, a really good question. And um, especially for stateside projects, uh, the main purpose of those projects is to train you so that you will take everything back to your campus. So that's one of the reasons of, of having those projects at all is so that you will learn all these things like the training that people have already talked about to apply that back at your campus, which is really an awesome quality of summer projects. Um, first of all, you really learn a lot about how to have a relationship with God, like how to make that a priority in your life, which is really important because when you're in college, you have just crazy busy schedules with work and crusade and class and friends and social life, all that kind of stuff. You need to know um, how to make your relationship with God a priority and how um, to deal with the Holy Spirit and how to use the Holy Spirit, things like that. Um, and then you also get amazing training on um, how to lead a Bible study, which then you can come back to your campus and start a Bible study. That's how you do that. You learn it, and then you come back and you do it. Um, like if you are in a sorority or if you are part of um, a club, like, I don't know, the surfing club or the chess club or something, you, can, you will be so confident on how to start a Bible study. And you also get a lot of training on uh, discipleship. You are discipled and you learn how to disciple. So you learn that and then you come back and you begin discipling people. You, um, it just makes you so confident on how to do that. Um, and you also just get a lot of training on um, evangelism. And so and it's really awesome because on the summer project, you actually get, um, you go on campus and you evangelize and you reach out to people. So when you come back here, you're more confident to do that and go to that outreach thing that they uh, advertised and, and learn about it and lead people and help people um, on, who don't know how to evangelize here at, at, at Florida State. Um, so, yeah, I think those are some of the ways. Right, guys thank you so much for just sharing with us about your projects and we just want to again we have in our region we have Salerno and Rome in Italy we have Durban South Africa Sarajevo Bosnia um, East Asia and Miami summer project and then Dustin went with athletes in action and if none of those interest you we handed out these little booklets as you came in the door you could go anywhere in the world that you want pretty much anywhere in the U.S. that you want. It lists all of them. And if you want to do something specific like Athletes in Action or if you're in the military and do Valor, if you don't want to do stuff with medicine, there all those opportunities are there. So just check those out. Please don't leave them on the floor. Take them with you. Put it in your room. You never know what God like can do. Bring that book back into your life, showing you where you can go. All right. And, and just in closing, got two more things. Uh, one, just remember what Josh talked about. Remember the urgency 
Um, remember that people are needed. Like Ramsey said, the laborers are few. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few, guys. Um, just remember, there's there's some things like Barbados Summer Project. It no longer exists because there just wasn't enough people to sustain that partnership. And so um, people are definitely needed. There is definitely an urgency to, to reaching people um, overseas. And then second, I would just encourage you to really explore the options. Um, just trust God. Um, keep your heart open to it. There's tables that are going to be out in the lobby. Um, everyone who went on a summer project will be out there sharing about, you know, you can talk to them about your pro- whatever you're interested in. They have great stories. And so talk to people, look through the pamphlet, and um, that's it. So I'm just going to close this in prayer. Holy Father, God, I just thank you for the opportunity you give us to be used by you. God, it's a privilege, it's an honor to be able to to reach people for you, God. I pray that we would take every opportunity, even in our daily lives, God. We know that we can we can be reaching people here on our campus. We don't need to go overseas or on a summer project to do that, Father. I just pray that you would help us to um, really be seeking your will this week, next couple months, about what how you want us to spend our summer, God, and how we should be investing our time. Father, I just thank you for this evening, and um, just thank you for everything done. Share and pray. Amen.